0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today I am sitting down with Jess from Upright Vintage, and we are going to chat all about her success with selling on Etsy, how to get started on that platform, and we're going to dive into vintage home goods. We know how much you guys love this topic, so we're just going to dive right in. Hi, Jess, and welcome. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here. Also a little biased because I just love you, but (laughs) Jess is a Patreon member and um, she is a wonderful addition to the group because she brings so much different insight um, with her full-time job and her Etsy shop. But before we get into all that, I will give Jess the stage, introduce yourself, let people know how you get into reselling and just who you are.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Well, I've actually, I was a listener of the podcast before becoming a Patreon member. So you guys do um, an amazing job with the podcast and that inspired me to be more involved. Mm -hmm. Um, But I started my shop in 2021, Um, you know, during the pandemic. uh, It was something that I'd wanted to do for a long time, but I think, you know, a lot of people probably found themselves in this situation during the pandemic where, um, you know, so many things are changing. You're kind of, prompted with, you know, questions of why, why have I even been doing things a certain way? You know, why can't if I want to do something, why can't I? Um, So at that time, I um, like in 2020, my dad actually passed away suddenly, and then the pandemic happened. So I just kind of found myself in this, you know, position where I was just felt like I couldn't really return to like the life I had previously had. So I, you know, got a new job, moved back to Michigan, I was living in Chicago at the time. Um, and just kind of, um, you know, was like, I want to do this shop, so why not? You know, especially because like during that, that time, like, you know, the only thing that was open was like thrift stores and kind of antique stores. So I was like, okay, like why not? if 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 there's ever time to do it, now is the time. So um just kind of dove right in. I'm the kind of person that, like, when I want to do something, I kind of just get obsessed with it and just, you know, spent a lot of time researching. Um, and just be, try to become like kind of an expert, um, in order to feel comfortable to like really dive in, um, and have just gone full force with it.
0: Um, I just want to and- say one thing, cause I'm totally the same person, but don't you feel like you can't stop when you start going down that rabbit hole? Cause it's like, I'm still, I still need to keep going. Even though I think I've perfected whatever it is, like I'm still not done.
1: Yeah. Well, the hard thing too, is kind of knowing when to stop with the research and when to really just like dive in with execution. I think, um, that's something that I've kind of struggled with in the past. So, um, I'm also just really proud of myself for like, you know, actually starting the shop Mm -hmm. and keeping it up and keeping going with it. Um, and it's, you know, been doing really well. So, um, so yeah, so I started the shop in 2021. Um, and I saw a lot of vintage, um, like glassware, home decor. I also sell vintage clothing. Um, so, you know, I know, um, it's, yeah, it's kind of a mix. It's kind of a hodgepodge. I think when I started the shop, I was just like, I don't know what's necessarily going to sell. So why don't I just start with everything and see what sticks? And I would say that it, it feels like kind of three categories. Like I saw vintage clothing, vintage glassware and barware, and then like everything else vintage. <laughs> so what do you um,
0: think inspired, like, which category, I guess, inspires you the most? Or does it all inspire you? Is it just vintage in general that inspires you?
1: Yeah, it all, I would say, I mean, it all inspires me. Um, but I feel like I kind of cycle through phases like um, where I'm just, you know, sometimes I'm like more like in love with the clothing. Sometimes I'm more in love with the glassware. Sometimes I'm sick of shipping the glassware, you know. Mm-hmm. So I go through these phases and I'm just a big collector myself. So um, I have like a ton of art, a ton of um you know, like studio pottery, like glassware, um, art glass, like uh, books. Like I go through phases where I just like get super obsessed with certain categories. So um, I think there's beauty in all of it, but the key is to like kind of I think refine your taste with you know picking up things that are exciting for you as opposed to just everything vintage. Because there's plenty of stuff that's technically vintage but not worth picking up and maybe not worth you know putting in the effort to try to sell.
0: Yeah. So now you work a full time job outside of re- reselling, is not your full time gig. So I don't know if you want to share with people what that is.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I work a pretty demanding full time job at Google. Um, I work in um, digital advertising sales there out of the Ann Arbor office. So um, I am really, I really enjoy that too. Um, so, you know, I know a lot of people want to go maybe full time with their reselling career, and that is awesome. That's like a really great aspiration. I think. For me, since I'm the kind of person that always needs to have my hand in like a bunch of different things at once, like I like having a full-time gig that is challenging and fulfilling um, with great coworkers, but also having this, you know, side hustle that is, you know, I take it very seriously. It's a full-time, I feel like, I mean, the reselling is a full-time gig too, Mm -hmm. but it's also kind of like my, a great creative outlet um, and just allows me to feel my own creative passion. So I, I just balance both of them and work all day every day.
0: (laughs) Story of my life. That's definitely like something that I got better with this year was balancing. But in the beginning, because I mean, you've only been doing since 2021, right? So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I didn't, I was not balanced out in 2021 because I really started diving in in 2018. It took me until this year, middle of this year to really figure out like, well, how much time do I really want to dedicate to this? Or, like, how much is my sanity really worth at this point? You know, and I think yeah. there's a lot of, um. and people forget this, whether you're a mom, a caregiver, or you're just working full-time, like you need to figure out how to make that side hustle or that passion project still feel that way without it becoming so overwhelming. Because full-time work can be very overwhelming and there's projects and there's deadlines and all that kind of stuff. And yes, that can exist in reselling, but we have control over that because it's our own baby. So it's like, I was starting to lose that passion and that drive to resell. And that was the point where I was like, mm, pump the brakes, Daniela, what do mm-hmm. we have to change? Have you found yeah. yourself at that point yet?
1: Yeah, I think um, I have definitely, this year I definitely reached kind of more of a, um, a little bit of a breaking point where I was kind of like, cause I also bought a house. So, you know, the combination of all these things and mm-hmm. I bought the house by myself. So to buy a house during this time is, Crazy in itself, but yeah, tell me about it. To do it by yourself is, I mean, just the emotional ups and downs of it is a lot. So I really had to, I just felt like I was, you know, I was kind of trying to do all these things and I just felt like I was like dropping all the balls. Like I just, and I realized I had to kind of prioritize like what to focus on at any given time. So for a while, I did have to take a little bit of a step back with my shop. Like at least it felt that way where I wasn't adding listing so consistently. I wasn't able to be taking new product photos or measurements so consistently. Um, and so, and I had to just focus on stuff for the house and my full-time job. Um, and so I think, and then like, you know, then the holiday season hit and it was like, okay, now I'm just fulfilling or like, I'm just packing orders, you know, like I Mm -hmm. don't even have time to like get anything new up still. I'm kind of just, but at least like, I mean, it's a good thing. The orders are coming in, you know? So, so that was actually really, I think, um, Really empowering. Like, that was kind of like a rejuvenation for me in a sense where, you know, even after several months of feeling like I had to take this step back to focus on other things, I still had a lot of orders coming in during Q4. I had a lot of, um, you know, demand and interest in my shop. And I feel like that really speaks to, um, you know, first of all, sourcing things that people want to buy. But also, like, I mean, the work that you put in in the beginning will pay off. You know, like the amount of work I put in during the time that I had previously to like get those listings up and get the product f- pictures up like all of that you know pays off now when I'm had less time you know so yeah. um so I'm really excited to like I think go into Q1 sorry I speak in, Q- in quarters because that you can speak talk, in quarters yeah, it's okay <laughs> um but yeah so I'm really excited I think I have a new energy to kind of like approach Q1 with like getting back into it I've been using to, like a little bit of this more quiet time after the holidays to like tidy up my, like reorganize my inventory, like consolidate boxes, get more on track with like, I have an inventory tracker and just like trying to make, keep track of like where everything is. Cause sometimes that becomes a struggle too. Once you reach a certain point and you're like moving everything around to consolidate. So, um, I just feel like in a much better place for Q1 and, um, more excited about it again.
0: Um, I don't know the first thing about tracking inventory for home goods. So feel free to elaborate on that because I try clothes, I throw clothes in a bin and they label the bin and I know where it is, but like, yeah, this doesn't work that way.
1: It's interesting because different people definitely have different methods. Um, And I've, I've talked to different people about, you know, kind of their approach and kind of like, you know, read about different approaches or watch YouTube videos about it. So I think it kind of depends on like what works for you for me um, the way my brain works is I often find it helpful to package up things in a way that it's like, okay, I took pictures of like all these things on the same day, maybe. And so I try to maybe kind of package them together. Um, mm. if it makes sense in a but like you also have to balance that with like, do these fit in the box? Like, you know, when your space is limited, you really have to just be consolidating and packing things in a way that they're just gonna fit, um, but also making sure to package things with like newspaper or bubble wrap or towels or whatever it is when it's fragile. Um, And, you know, making sure to not store things where like, for example, out in the cold for a while, I was like kind of using my car as like a storage unit. And it's like, that's how things get damaged in the (laughs) winter in Michigan. Yeah. (laughs) So you'd be surprised what that can do to different materials. Um, So there's, there's definitely a lot of things to kind of keep in mind when it comes to how you store things. But I think when it comes to just keeping like, at least for a preservation, but like also just when it comes to keeping track of where everything mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that, I mean, I use kind of like, not like post-its on the outside, like not technical at all, <laughs> but I use post-its to like keep track of what's in them in each box. And then also in my tracker, I have like my own kind of gibberish notes of like stored in this box with this thing in this room that used to have this thing in it. And that's kind of like how I remember. But that's um, what works for you. Yeah, I have, I mean, I have ADHD, so I don't know if you <laughs> can tell, but I feel like I've just had to come up with my own ways to do it. I know some people that um, they, I mean, well, they're full-time resellers, so they, maybe they have more time for this, but they literally will package up every single item with, as if they're about to ship it, like fully. I was just going like, to say that. It's crazy. I don't have, I just don't have the time for that. And I don't have the space for it because every one of those things now takes up a lot more space in its own box with with its own packaging that if it got banged around, it wouldn't break, you know? So I just, I don't have the bandwidth for that, but I'm sure that makes it very easy for them when it comes to time to ship, you know?
0: I was just thinking that like, would it make sense to prepackage everything? Because you're already wrapping it because you're storing it. So when it makes sense to prepackage it and put it in a box, but you would need significant storage because that box takes up way more space than the one box you could fit lots of things in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So for me, it doesn't make sense. And the way that I'm storing things is I'm, I'm not fully wrapping things where it's like the level of like, like padding that you would need if you're actually shipping. I'm just doing like a layer or two of like newspaper around stuff so that I can easily like access again yeah. Um, and fit a bunch of stuff in a box. But yeah. And then with my clothing inventory, I like try to hang as much as possible. Um, And then other stuff like sweaters, I might um, put in like a bin or something.
0: I don't think we exclusively said it yet, but do you only sell on Etsy? So I sell
1: primarily on Etsy. I've tried out um, in-person pop-ups in Detroit. And I will say I love Detroit, but not for selling my goods um, and making money.
0: (laughs) Um, But I love
1: Detroit for other reasons. Um, And then I have also tried out having um, a booth in an antique mall. And I love shopping at that antique mall. I actually grew up shopping at that antique mall, but I'm not a huge fan of having a booth there um, because the money that I can make on Etsy is just so much more. And it's honestly, I feel like, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just more kind of in tune with like what's needed for e-commerce, but like, I just feel like, you know, Etsy is a little bit set it and forget it. Whereas like a booth, like you have to physically like go there all the time. You have to physically price the items. You have to have your, a separate inventory tracker for that. So it's just, I think it's just a kind of a pain and it's honestly a lot more expensive to have a booth because there's like the monthly rent in addition to a percentage that they take out of your sales. So it's honestly a lot more money to be to be doing a booth, at least at this at this yeah. place.
0: So that's interesting that they take a percentage out of what you sell plus the rent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. So people complaining about, I will say people complaining about the fees on on etsy or ebay or whatever it is like ultimately that's still less than paying like a rent to be in a physical location
0: i was gonna say even like poshmark takes 20 percent, but that doesn't even touch what rent and then a percentage of a sale would
1: be yeah yep exactly
0: yeah i've always thought about being like in some type of either antique antique mall or whatever it is but it's like the thought of having to add in an extra task for myself of driving somewhere which So yeah. it would have to be on the weekend, which is now going to cut into my sourcing times. I only source right. on a Saturday usually. So now it's going to cut into that. And I have to go and not buy the stuff to fulfill the place. Make sure everything is there that and it's accounted for. Like there's just so yeah. many steps. And then you have to like curate it and make it look festive depending on the season on top of it. Right. Yeah. That right there is what turns me right off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just like, okay, you know what? I gave it a shot. And now I know I will like, I'm, I'm proud of myself for, you know, taking risks and trying out different things. Um, And so it's all just a learning experience. And I can't like beat myself up too much about it. I know, you know, booths work really well for some people. I think it it honestly just depends so much on like, where you're at. Do you also sell online? Because like, I personally would rather save my good stuff for, you know, for Etsy, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so I'm not even bringing like all of my stuff to Etsy or to the booth. Um, but I do have some stuff there that I also have on Etsy that just hasn't sold in a while. And I'm like, but then if it does sell on Etsy, then you have to go to the booth, to go and get just it. Get up. <laughs> yeah. So it's, just, it's honestly created so many extra steps, but um, not to bash having an antique booth. Like it works for some people, but, yeah, but it just doesn't just work for
0: you. It doesn't work. Yeah. And I think that's fine. Um, okay. So let's talk about like, what made you get into exclusively the vintage clothing home good? Like what was that passion that drove you to get there?
1: Yeah. I, so I, um, I didn't grow up thrifting necessarily. I grew up going to antique stores with Mm -hmm. my mom. Um, and so, and I've always been like a collector. So like, I feel like my mom and like various family members are collectors of Mm -hmm. things. and We all have like different tastes, but just that instinct to like, you know, indulge yourself, if you like something, then you just start to you just appreciate it for what it is. And it kind of just, you know, finding beauty in, in objects, but like beautiful Mm -hmm. things and, and the history of things is really fascinating to me. Um, So that I think is kind of special to me when it comes to vintage, and especially like, you know, the past year. I mean, I don't know, like, I, I guess I got into thrifting, like in college. So I've been doing it for a while. But like, I would say, like, I really dove super deep into design, and you know, becoming more knowledgeable about specific like art movements, and you know, um, things to kind of keep an eye out for when it comes to what you're looking for with glassware, or um, you know, pottery, or books, or like how you can identify different makers of things. Um, like, so I really dove into that more recently since opening my shop. Um, and so, just I don't know, like, I just get so. Um, I'm just so in love with like the beauty of these things. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like modern day things, like like there are definitely beautiful modern day things that I can't afford. <laughs> so like, this is such a good way to like, you know, have beautiful things in your home, but also like be giving them a new life. Like I was also really very strongly raised, like can't waste anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could always like repair something. You could always like mend something, like you know, you just never know when you're going to need something again. Um, So I'm always trying to give things like a second life. So I mend my own clothes, um, try to buy secondhand for like as many things as possible. Um, So yeah, I don't know. There's just, I'm just like in love with it.
0: Well, for those who don't follow Jess, um, all of her stuff, all of her information will be in the show notes. But when you go to the show notes, go to her Etsy shop. And that's what we're going to dive in next because her Etsy shop is absolutely beautiful. I'll never forget the day that you Mm -hmm. Came into the fir- your first <laughs> Patreon, um, monthly call and you shared your your shop and everyone was like, "Oh my God, who are you? Like, are you a oh, professional you. <laughs> at this? Do you remember like that?" Everyone was yeah, like, just gushing over Jess's store because she really does have a really great creative eye and she's really good at taking the photos and and just everything about the shop. It just looks professional and when I think of Etsy, that's what I think of, right? I think of <laughs> someone who has a very clean um a store that is very structured it's got a theme to it and you know what it is and it's a certain type of product and you know what that is like you don't really need to look at the about section you don't really need to dive too deep in you kind of already know what you're going to get and that's what I feel like when I go into your shop and there's like a rhythm to it there's a feel to it so so before we talk about your shop itself um I guess let's give like an overview on Etsy um, because you are very good at Etsy. And I know that you're a part of a group as well, and you can definitely mention them. Um, but I feel like Etsy is one of those platforms that just doesn't get talked about as much in the community because we have the heavy hitters like eBay and Poshmark in the community. And yes, you have the Macaris and all that too, but Etsy really kind of gets thrown to the wayside because it's specific markets, right? There's vintage, mm-hmm. there's um home decor, and then there's like the um handmade items like it's very niched um so why don't we kind of get into that aspect of it
1: yeah no you're definitely right about that like i've noticed that absence of like kind of etsy um being mentioned among cuz i listen to like a lot of different podcasts and mm. um you know people talking about reselling on all of these different platforms and different categories cuz i think it's all like so fascinating but so many like it's just so surprising people don't mention etsy almost Never. ever um but I really think it's a great um, marketplace for vintage, and it also for handmade. Um, and there's also a lot of junk on there too. So you know, there's okay. Just- I'm glad you said that because <laughs> what is with all sure. of like it's like fast it's like fashion type thing. Weird. Pit. I know. It's I don't. Strange. It's weird, but I think that's like bound to happen on any platform yeah, once is. people like more and more people adopt something. There's always going to be people that are like, "What's the easy way to make money on this or something?" Mm-hmm. But Um, but I think it is, it really does attract, um, people, especially when it comes to vintage, like it attracts people that have something in in particular that they're looking for, um, and they're willing to pay up for that because they expect kind of like this curated aesthetic and they expect quality customer service and packaging. Like, um, it's just funny because like, I don't know, I feel like people, a lot of people that sell on Etsy, like might have like, you know, branded you know, everything's branded and, you know, handwritten, like I, I write a handwritten note for like all of my sales, you know, like all of these like special touches. Whereas like when you order something on eBay, it's coming like padded with like garbage bags and, you know, go have a good day. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, what? As, as long as it gets there, I'm fine because that's still reusing materials. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that, but it's just funny because the different, the vibe is so different. Um, but that's what I like about Etsy because you can have more of that creative flair with your shop. Like if you really want to have more of a curated feel and aesthetic of what you're picking out, um, you really can, can do that with that, um, with that platform. Um, and I, what I also like about it is that you, if you understand like SEO and just like, you know, having appropriate tags and keywords and, um, you know, things like that in your title and description, your measurements, like there's additional like options for tags, like you can really reach a lot of people that are searching for your stuff without them necessarily knowing who you are. As a shop owner, you can reach mm-hmm. a lot of people that way, just by them searching, And you don't have to be sharing your stuff like you do on Poshmark. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's just really built, um, built out in a way that like, if you can just, um, you know, be descriptive in a way with like terms that people are searching, then you're going to get found, which is
0: awesome. I think people forget that Etsy is a search engine. Like it's yeah. not, um I mean, eBay and Poshmark are search engines as well, but the way that Etsy works is very much like a Google. Like it, it's very similar. You type in whatever it is that you're looking for and it's going to give you whatever the top results are or what's the most relevant. I mean, it works in the same fashion. And I think mm-hmm. that's what also, This is something that I struggle with when it comes to Etsy, because the first things that generally pop up are a lot of like those bigger vendors that are on there that like. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg in Williamsburg, Virginia. There's never too much of a good thing, whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Make, like, reproduce the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So I find it hard sometimes when I'm on Etsy to find that real specific thing that I'm looking for. Maybe I just need to get more comfortable with the website and, like, filtering things. Um but sometimes like I'm looking for like there's a company that I love that's local that but they make like a face serum. And sometimes I mm. usually get it when they're like locally at a fair or something or a farmer's market, but sometimes they want to try different ones. Can I tell you how hard it is to go on Etsy and find a face serum that is similar to one that I have without having to like filter through just the generic ones that are on there? Like yeah. I find a small person doing this in their home, like that's what I want. That's what I struggle yeah. with with Etsy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that because like similar because it's like Google, it is also becoming like Google search in kind of all the bad ways too, where there are promoted listings. Um, It does reward the people that are, you know, listing like adding new listings all the time or like just have like, you know, bestseller items that sell like massive quantities in a day. So it is a little bit of like, it can sometimes be an echo chamber of like, okay, the people that are selling the most, whether that's good or bad are the ones that go to the top. Um, so I think, yeah, it just, it maybe just takes a little bit of like finagling when it comes to uh, figuring out how to browse around or uh, maybe other terms to search or, um, you know, I don't know, like, or even like other creative routes outside of Etsy. Like if you have certain brands that you love, like, I don't know, maybe if they're just a small business, you could reach out to them and see who else mm-hmm. they recommend,
0: yeah. and, you
1: know, like you might have friends that are in the business and,
0: which is very true, they probably do. Um, okay, let's let's talk about signing up for Etsy because I feel like there's this barrier to entry when it comes to Etsy because there's the the number one complaint and we hear it when we do our calls, right? Every month is, well, I got to pay 20 cents for every listing. And there's this reoccurring 20 cent fee that comes to me if the item doesn't sell and, and all of that. So I guess, what would you tell someone who's listening? Like, I want to get started with Etsy. I don't really know where to start. Like, what what would you say to them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say like the, if you put this like that in the scope of things, like if your product doesn't sell within a year, then that's still only like 20 cents. Cause Oh, so the 20 cents is like renewed every quarter, essentially Mm -hmm. every three months. So, um, so it's like, okay, you're really still only paying like eight, like still less than a dollar per year to have that Mm -hmm. listed. And odds are you're, you're probably going to hopefully sell something within the year, you know, Mm -hmm. hopefully less than that. So like it really isn't that much, um, honestly. And like the 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 fees in general are a little confusing because they take fees out of multiple different like kind of spots. Like they have like, you know, there's that listing fee. There's like the transaction fee. There's like a if the buyer pays shipping, they take part of that as well. So there's kind of like multiple different things that they do, which can make it confusing and hard to compare apples to apples against Mm. other platforms.
0: But at least they Um, don't lie about taking money from shipping because every platform takes money from shipping.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's like, okay, it is a little confusing, but ultimately I think if you were to like, you know, really sit down and like compare to other platforms, it would be pretty similar. I would even venture to say Poshmark might be the most expensive when it comes Mm. to fees because 20% is pretty high, um, which is what I didn't really like about it as well, when I've tried to sell on there, just like my own clothes and stuff. Like I just, I mean, that's a huge chunk by the time you actually Mm -hmm. sell something. Um, so yeah, so I think the fees should not be, I would really encourage people to not be so discouraged by the fees. Um, especially because like, I mean, there's going to be fees on every internet platform. Even if you were to make your own website, you're still going to have to pay a hosting fee. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to pay for advertising to drive traffic to your website. Um, either, either paying for advertising on, you know, Google or also social media, like, so it's just going to be you won't even have that built in audience, um, and search engine, like right there. Um, So I really think that there are a lot of benefits to it, even though we all like to complain about the fees, we like to complain (laughs) about changes, we like to complain about all these things. Um, I, I do think like in the scheme of things, especially if you do have a full-time job or maybe you're a busy parent or whatever other obligations you have and um you know like maybe you don't have time to like build your own website from scratch mm-hmm. or something or drive all this traffic you know like um i don't even really have much of a social media presence for my shop and i still make pretty good sales consistently um because of this built-in like audience that's searching on etsy Um, so I, so I, I don't know, I would just encourage people to be like a little bit more open-minded about the benefits of, um, you know, a platform like that.
0: I think another aspect of that too, is it's it's easy and quick to blame fees, but the other thing that I think people, um, get nervous about or aren't sure about is like startup. So how complicated is it for me to list something? What do they need for me when it comes to listing? So like when you look at Poshmark, super easy. Macari, super easy. There's like hardly anything you need to do. eBay, a little more work. Etsy, it does require more work to list on Etsy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it requires more work, but it's a lot of the same. It really is a it lot is. of the same things that you would find on on other you know platforms. I would say, maybe most comparable to eBay yes. um, um, in the sense that there are a lot of you know potential fields that you can fill out, but like, there's plenty that you don't have to fill out. Like it's just to your benefit to fill them out uh, because it's just another term mm-hmm. or category or filter that people could find you by. Um, and, you know, you could put as little detail as you want in the description, but again, that's only to your benefit and the buyer's benefit to add more detail and like accurate measurements and whatever your, maybe your policies or any flaws, like you know, you should add that if you want to be a professional, just, I mean, it's like, I'm, I just think these are common sense things. Like, maybe that's just like, tough love for me. But I really think that um, maybe people are just complicating it too much in their own head. Um, which I think is really easy to do when you're trying to maybe you're maybe you're intimidated by mm-hmm. like, a certain like a new platform or just seeing certain shops that look so pretty, you know, like it can be very intimidating, but it really isn't a whole lot different, I think, than anything else. And, um, you know, you can similar to like what you can do, I think, on eBay where you could, you know, you can essentially like duplicate listings or sell similar mm-hmm. or whatever. Like you there are functionalities to like try to help speed things up if you sell a lot of similar things or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, So it doesn't have to be so daunting, but I know it is scary to start anything new. Well, I
0: think it's twofold, though, Jess. I think the first thing is there isn't enough information out there on Etsy or enough people coming out and being forthcoming with, here's my journey on Etsy. There's just not enough of it out there. And there's not enough of that, like, walkthrough feeling that we have with eBay and Poshmark. Because let's be real, when you go on YouTube, what are you seeing? It's Poshmark and eBay. Those are the two main things that people are coming out and now live sales. Like those, okay, we'll say those are three categories. Live sales, eBay, and Poshmark. In between, you might get a few Etsy people, but it's Mm -hmm. not as common. So I think that unknown that exists, that people feel with eBay, they feel even more with Etsy. The other thing that I think um happens and I think it's something that I like it's a reason why I shy away a little bit from Etsy even though I've had good success when I have sold on there um is the aesthetic of it all like it is a very particular aesthetic if you want to be like considered one of the cool ones right yeah it's like a club it is I mean is the way that it is on Etsy
1: yeah I think um it's interesting you say that because I know like I think like one thing that held me back from starting my shop like in the first place, um, you know, Etsy aside was just like the, the product photography of it all. Like mm-hmm. I was very, um, had a bit of like imposter syndrome when it came to like, oh, like, you know, I don't have a professional camera. Like I don't really have experience with photography. Like what if, you know, will this be, will people laugh at me? Will this be silly looking or unprofessional or whatever? But like, you really just have to dive in and you'd be surprised what you can come up with. And it doesn't even have to be like some beautiful, like vignette, like, lifestyle picture in your home, like, it can be a simple, like, white background, um, you know, and staging just the product in however, whatever ways, but, um, you know, I think if you're just, you know, providing clean pictures, um, you know, showing close-ups, showing scale, showing, um, you know, variety or detail, like, all these things that, like, you might expect to see on, like, a professional retailer site, or, you know, just think of any site that you, really like their products and their the way they do their their pictures just you could do that too you know it's it's really not that intimidating but like i was definitely intimidated by that when i started but you you just kind of have to start um and then you'd be surprised people will like your stuff and compliment your pictures and then you're like oh okay maybe i can do this too Mm -hmm. you know so um and i also want to give a shout out this is a great time to give a shout out to my um this group that i'm part of um by Caroline Wilder, um, Etsy vintage mastermind group. So I joined that, like when I started my shop, cause I was basically kind of like, you know, with the imposter syndrome, I was like, I feel like I probably need some accountability. would love some mm-hmm. handholding through, you know, getting my shop off the ground. Um, so I joined this group of, um, you know, other mostly, it's like pretty much all women who have, you know, Etsy shops, um, some also maybe do booths or other things as well, but a lot have these like, you know, self-vintage on Etsy and, you know, maybe different niches or aesthetics that they kind of gravitate towards. Um, but having that accountability group, I think was really wonderful for, um, you know, learning the ropes a bit, um, and just being surrounded by other women that have, um, you know, really beautiful, like shops and really strong, like you know, a really strong sense of like, what they are looking for, and you know, how they want to sell things and things they want to try with their shop. Um, And so I think, you know, finding something like that can be really great too, if you want to dive into, um, you know, a new platform, there's so many different groups out there, but especially for Etsy, if anyone is like interested. um, I mean, I know Caroline's always looking for new members for the group. um, So people are welcome to join that as well. and her, her, um, her shop is called Phineas street vintage, but her, she hosts the the group through vintage, uh, Phineas street school is what she does different, like vintage coaching or Etsy coaching kind of stuff. So I'm just part of like the group things. I think group accountability is really helpful for me. We do like listing challenges. Um, but yeah, I would just say like, find a buddy, like if you, for anyone starting something new, like it is so wonderful to have like a sense of community and like having people to talk to and accountability, which is another reason I love, you know, the Patreon and our Zoom meetings and stuff. It's, I think that's wonderful.
0: Yeah. There's something about talking to other people who do things that you don't do and like getting their perspective, understanding um, how they got started, why they did it. And it gives you that, I don't know that little encouragement or that like little ounce of creativity be like, okay, well, if they did it this way, this is how I can apply it to what I want to do. Um, yeah, I think it's great that there there are groups out there and it's just a matter of us talking about it and getting the word out there and getting more people to get involved with them, because I I do feel like there's a there's a lack of it in the community, but there's also such a need. So many people, if there's anything I learned this year from doing all these episodes, and then something that Jen and I just never realized was how many people really have an interest in home goods, especially vintage home goods. Like there is just mm-hmm. such an interest in it. And so many people want to learn about it. And it just, that that resource just doesn't exist the same way as clothing. It just doesn't.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't know, like, and home goods is such a huge, like, oh my God, it's enormous. you know, I mean, it's so vague. Like so everything counts as home goods, you know, in my opinion. Yes. So it's like, so I think like, Um, it's awesome that people are, are like excited. I would encourage people to just like, you know, pick some areas to Mm -hmm. like start with and just dip their toes in it. And then they'll very quickly find like what is, um, I mean, just like with clothing, they'll very quickly find like, okay, this is actually pretty common. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe shouldn't have picked this up, Mm -hmm. but now, you know, or like, okay, you just, then you start to be like drawn to something that it's like, I don't know what this is, but I think it's special. And then you find out like, oh, this is actually like, a very like a um you know an important designer or like you know i knew i was like attracted to this for a reason so like i would definitely encourage people like a lot of it i think is just kind of your own trial and error mm-hmm. um i also personally i mean i'm a big book person so like i also literally like as you can see behind me um <laughs> built these books, for those who but, can't
0: see uh, just is a wall of books behind her <laughs>
1: yeah i'm a huge i'm a huge fan of books and i now that I'm like super into vintage, I love collecting like vintage art books and design books. So like there's so much that you can learn too yes. by like just combing through old like, you know, reference books about glassware or um about Which you, you know, can pottery. find in a thrift store. You can I mean or the library. I mean, yes. I'm a huge fan of libraries yes. as well. So like um you would be absolutely amazed what resources are available to you at your public library for free. Um so please people take advantage of that yes. like you there's no excuse you have the internet you have the library um, mm-hmm. those are great 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 places to start
0: Yeah, I think if people, I think when it comes down to it, no matter what you're selling, whether it's electronics, clothing, home goods, whatever it is, like you just need to take the time to research, see what other people are selling, figure out what it is that you enjoy, what space do you have to even start selling this stuff. Like I started very small when I started selling some home goods stuff, which I ended up selling out of everything. So I closed 2022 with selling the 10 items that I picked up. I was very happy with that. You know, I'm making a plan now for 2023 to dive a little bit more into home goods, but like, I want it to be fun. Like I want home goods to be like that fun thing that when I find something yeah. that's unique, I want to list it. I don't want it to become what this has become behind me here with the shoes. Like I don't right. want it to become that, right? Like this makes yeah. my money that I know I need. I want that to be like my fun little thing that I get to do. And like, it's just a different feeling for it. Right. But I think it's, it starts the same way. The way you started reselling was diving into all the content, finding all the information that you can find, like just do that. Go on the website that it is that you want to sell on and just search random things and start seeing what other people are selling. Follow people like Jess and other people in in that community. If you want to go into Etsy, in the Etsy community, you can hashtag Etsy. You'll find a bunch of stuff. Go on Instagram. You'll find a bunch of things and go down that rabbit hole and check out their shops and what they're doing. Like It's a lot of that um, rudimentary basic type of work that you did when you first started you got to just do it again because it's a different platform. It's a, it's a different everything.
1: Yeah. And I will say like, when it comes to like dipping your toes into home goods, like the thing about home goods is it can be very bulky. So like, I yeah. will also encourage you to be, um, you know, you know, try out different things and see what sticks, but like, also like, don't, you know just be cognizant of like how much storage space it's going to take up in your home as well as like how hard it may be to ship something that happens to be bulky like you might love vintage lamps but that might be a bitch to ship I can't Uh, even imagine that Like, (laughs) (laughs) or clocks or art that is like I mean I love art and I find a lot of cool art but like you know the reality of like shipping art that's already yes. framed like i don't know if i want to tackle that you know no so, cuz you got to um, go to
0: ups and you got to ask them for the special box and they got to wrap it no 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 <laughs> No, <laughs> I thank mean, you, you can do
1: it you can do it yourself people you do it but like it's just going to be work I don't it's trust just myself you have to think about yeah you have to think about how much time you're now going to spend on yes. shipping which like i'm very guilty of like spending a lot of time on shipping when it comes to like glassware or like anything that's kind of like an odd shape and that I haven't necessarily packaged before, but like, I want to make sure it gets there safely. Like, you know, finding the right box, finding the right supplies and making, you know, making sure everything fits. Cause like, I will, like, I'm pretty good about, um, like I haven't really paid for any extra shipping supplies. Like I use entirely reused like boxes, Mm -hmm. like newspaper, bubble wrap, air packets, packing paper getting creative with like ripping up plastic or paper bags and foam Mm -hmm. that comes in all that stuff. I reuse all of it, collect it from like my whole neighborhood and um, people around town and businesses, but it makes it, it takes so long to pack stuff because I'm like, digging around finding just the perfect size box and the perfect like size supplies to like make it all fit mm-hmm. like a big puzzle piece. And so like, you also have to think about like, what is your time worth? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I'm like very guilty of that still, but it's still kind of fun for me, but yeah, definitely a little silly.
0: Uh, let's, let's walk through like what the Etsy shop experience looks like. Cause I haven't pulled, I have yours pulled up here. Um, and I think the first things that I notice as, we'll say a buyer is you need to have some type of graphic as your banner, whether it's your shop name, whatever you want to do and what your quote unquote logo is going to be. And that's your profile picture. Um, so I do think that those two things when it comes to Etsy are really important. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think like
1: it's, I think that is like a chance to like have more branding, like those little details, like you, those are like some like areas where you actually can have branding Um, and like having a little bio at the bottom. Like there are like opportunities for that, but you know, you never know, like people aren't always going to your homepage for your shop. So like mm-hmm. people could just be browsing around, like they search a term and they click on a listing and maybe they just buy it right there. They might not necessarily go to your shop, like homepage. So like, I think it's important to have that sense of branding because really like the more cohesive you are and the more put together and packaged your whole shop is, the more you can charge. That's like Mm -hmm. how it has always been for outside of Etsy, every shop Mm -hmm. that you can think of, that's kind of just how it works. Like it all feeds together. So like if you, like I would just encourage you, if you want to make more money, then you can um, like just have it look, good together, you know, put that effort in it doesn't take that long. Like, I'm not like updating my banner, you know, or really my logo or any of that, like, um, so you can update your shop announcements, you can update like some different things about it, which is nice. So you can, you can customize the order of how things look on, on the page, um, you could customize what categories you want to have things sold in. Um, so there's a, there is a lot of room for customization. But at the same time, like your shop can look put together without having to spend so much time on, on all those pieces if you don't want to.
0: Right. I want to say one thing when you said that certain brands can pay more, it's it's the same like thought process that goes with luxury handbags. Why is it that Chanel can charge $15,000 for the quilted leather bag, but I can buy a very similar leather quality and look and feel in a like Henry Bendel bag that costs two or $300. And um, there's actually a really great um, Instagram account. I don't remember the name off the top of my head. And I'm sure there's many of these and it's an actual leather expert. And what he does is he buys or people donate their older bags that are luxury and he tears them apart and really shows Mm, like what the construction and like, how much is this stuff actually worth and how much are you actually paying? And I think I mean, that's kind of the beauty of when you have beautiful branding and you have this reputation, you can charge whatever you want, no matter how much the product costs you. It's the same kind of right. thing. It's just fascinating right. and I to think, think about it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and you could potentially charge even more if you also had like a community that you've built yes. on like social media and maybe you're driving the traffic. People buy from you because they just like you mm-hmm. and your persona. Like I haven't really gone that far. Like I T- don't have time for that. <laughs> Maybe one day. It's a goal. It is a goal for sure to like spend more time on that. But um, in the absence of that, like you can still do so much with your, your shop and, and you know how much that is kind of like giving off um, when it comes to like perceived quality, like, you know, and it, it goes the opposite way too. Like if you see listings like that are, you know, seem to be absurdly low and the, the pictures aren't that great, Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of detail. You're going to question, like, what am I going to get if I buy this? You know, is it even going to get to me in one piece? Um, Are there going to be flaws that were not described here? Is this going to be not what I thought when I wanted to buy it? Like, is there something secretly wrong with this that they haven't mentioned? That's why it's priced so low. So, like, there's a like, it goes the opposite way, too. You know, something that's priced too low is like not good either. Right. Um, Yeah. Right.
0: I agree. Um, digressing, but <laughs> well, we always digress here. Um, back to the homepage here of Etsy. I do like that. It also shows you that you are a smooth shipping, which I love that you have speedy replies and it shows what your rating is. This to me feels very much like, like a Shopify in the mm-hmm. way that things are lined up. And I think, There's just something so clean and streamlined about seeing things like that. And the other thing that I really enjoy, and then, like you said, the announcements and stuff is how on the side it says items. And then it literally breaks down your categories and how many you have, like how many items you actually have in each of those categories as a buyer and the way my brain works. I love that because I can easily say, okay, oh, okay. She has um, blazers and outerwear. I'm going to click on that. She has 42 pieces. Let me go through that and see what I can find. It's just I think a cleaner way of filtering where like on Poshmark, it's not that mm-hmm. same feel, right? It's very clunky. Yeah. It's kind of messy the way it looks. I don't really want to filter. Like it's more work than me seeing it the way that it's laid out here. Um, and then there's a contact shop owner thing, which I think is, you know, one of the unique things about Etsy is you can have that personalized one-on-one conversation mm-hmm. um, with your potential buyers or a buyer, which I think is different. But I, I love, I think it's probably the number one thing that I love about it is the way the items are broken down. As a buyer, I like the way that looks.
1: Yeah. And that's really, that's great to hear you say that kind of like from like a buyer's perspective, how you're perceiving that. Cause those, some of those are a little bit newer things that Etsy has introduced. Um, They've made a lot of changes in the past, like year or two, like, um, you know, introducing like what they call star sellers. So having those badges for, you know, um, you know, kind of having a certain like threshold of like how fast you're shipping or like customer service, how quickly you're replying to people. Um, and that like the ratings, like having, you know, like the five-star ratings or Mm -hmm. have a certain amount, whatever it is. Um, so they're trying to kind of add additional like badges or just features, I think to like make it easier for the buyer to understand, like, is this a quality seller or, you know, like, is this a professional shop or is this someone that I'm going to like put my, send my money into the void and who knows what will like come back to me, you know?
0: I, I do like that about it. And I, and I also like how with the reviews, the way the reviews are laid out. So it will show the average item review and then it gives like, um, the mentions. So it says quality shipping and customer service. Those are like your three tags, right? For your brand. And then you, and it's just the way they lay it out. It looks like Sephora. When I see this, the way that it has like the picture of the item, and then it's got like a mini description under the stars and then what the item was, um, and I just think there's just something very um streamlined and clean about the way they present this. So they're they're really doing a great job to get the buyer to want to stay on here. I will say the um desktop version is way better than the app. Their app is just yeah. not great when it comes to shopping. Yeah, if I want to shop on Etsy, different. Yeah. it's on a desktop.
1: Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of the same way. I mean, maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I think I prefer desktop for like a lot of things as a buy from a buyer's perspective. Yeah. I'm like I like, you know, having, I don't know, doing more research. Like I've, Mm -hmm. I can't name like a time that I've ever just like bought something like on the internet, you know, like (laughs) I, I have to do a lot of like kind of research and back and forth before deciding on something. So I do agree. I think the desktop version can be,
0: um, can give you kind of more functionality. Um, one other, just one more thing about Etsy that I like when I click on an item, it opens in a new tab. I don't have to do it. It does it automatically. Yeah. That's fantastic. Because yeah. Poshmark doesn't do that. You have to click open a new tab. It just brings you to that piece. And then I got to go back. I don't want to do that. I don't want to yeah. lose my place.
1: Yeah. There's, yeah, it's, I I mean, yeah, I really like it. And um, you can add videos too to listings, which is I a saw newer that. You have thing some videos within the past year um yeah so I I have a lot I try to always add videos um there's maybe some older ones that I didn't add videos like if the pictures look bad then that's probably a really really old one that hasn't sold but um but yeah I try to add videos for everything because it's just so much better for giving um you know an idea of scale giving an idea of like especially for clothing like the you know the texture of the fabric like how silky is this how how thick is this how like fuzzy is this you know Um, There's just so much that you can show in a video Um, and it doesn't have to be long. Like it, like it actually has to be short, but um, so it's really easy to do. And I think it, it does make a difference because a lot of sellers on Etsy still don't add videos. Mm -hmm. So like you can, I think you can really set yourself apart by being someone who adds videos um, and it just, you know, it just gives more security to the buyer of like, what is this object that they want to, that they might purchase.
0: Um, let's talk about photo setup because I'm sure there's a question that people are thinking like, okay, I understand now the functionality of Etsy, but I got to take pictures now. It's like, what does your photo setup look like? What do you use? Use fancy props. Like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So I don't use anything fancy for a long time. I would like, before I bought this house, I was living like with family to save money. So I was taking pictures in a very tiny corner of the living room on a poster board um, but with natural light, like I, I, really like having natural light. Um, also I just don't know how to use like photo setups, um, and lighting setups. So like, I know some people use those and they look, um, it looks very professional and, and amazing for their product photos, but I just don't know how to do that currently. So I like to use natural light. Um, I like to have, um, kind of just like a, a simple white background, um, for, for different products, um because again, everyone has their own style. Like some people have more, um, props that they use or like styling things on furniture or like, you know, some sort of vignette and that can look really great too. Um, but I've found that a white background is really just great for letting the product stand out, um, and being able to play around with it. Like, so for glassware, I really like, um, having, you know, doing all sorts of different kind of like staging, like, um, I don't know. So like, You'd have to see the pictures, but so that wasn't the one down. you have
0: like fabric like overlaid over each other and then you've got the glassware on top of the fabric. Yeah. Um so I do
1: like to do that with um, so I love to use vintage scarves for yeah. um for glassware or certain other objects, especially if it's like clear glassware, like it can be hard to capture what that you know looks like. Yeah. I'm just I'm using my phone, so like it's not a professional camera. So like it can be hard to capture some of the details of clear glassware. Um, so I like to use, um, you know, there's so many gorgeous vintage scarves out out there. Um, and then I like, you know, we'll use, um, when I'm doing something like bowls or, um, like some sort of trinket dish or whatever it is, I like to use either like vintage, like matchbook kind of things, um, as a prop, or I have these vintage, like fake fruit that are
0: I just saw have, like, them they're so cute.
1: <laughs> they're so cute. And it's all thrifted. All of it is like thrifted stuff. So like people used to make these like fruit things that they're just sequence. There's like it's like sequin beads on it or whatever. Um and they're so cute. And so I've like started just collecting those to use it as props as well. Um so yeah and then like candles I use you know different thrifted candles for props for you know different candlestick holders and that help show scale. And you know, what could this look like if you had candles in them? So really anything um, when it comes to props, like, you know, not getting too crazy with it. Like I'm not spending a ton of time on the staging. I think that is really important um, when it comes to uh, something like Etsy, where it's like, you could spend all day on, you know, staging and getting super creative and that might be worth it to you and like really fulfilling and fun. But like, that could also take up a lot of time, so like it yeah. just depends on how much time you actually have um, to put into that. Because um, you could you could go very far into that in, into the creative side of of the staging and the the product photography and all that. But I try to just keep it simple and um, let the product shine, as opposed to the whole staging setup and all the props. Like I want people to understand, like when they're looking at a picture, what is for sale here?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important because. It is fun to be creative and I can totally see myself getting lost in this. Well, I can add this and I can add this and it'll yeah. look really pretty. And it looks like it's sitting on this old antique table. I'm like, it would be really hard for me to separate that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I can see I can see like for you in particular, going through your shop, using the scarves is really smart. I mean, it really elevates the photo. Just something as simple as having two different color, like lightweight, almost tool type scarves. Yeah. I mean, it really elevates what the photo looks like, but then I also like the ones that have absolutely nothing and it's just the white yeah. background and there's that piece and it's just this really vibrant color and you don't really need to do anything to it.
1: Right, exactly. And and the scarves are great because, I mean, I love color. So like, I think scarves are so like wonderful for adding like a pop of color or like, you know, if you're like me, where I was using just a poster board on mm-hmm. a, t- you know, on a table against a white wall, like if you don't want people to necessarily see where the poster board meets the wall or the yeah. corner, like maybe it's not exactly even a scarf or some sort of fabric can be really great for kind of hiding that. Um, and, you know, just distracting from the reality of like where you might actually be taking those pictures.
0: How many photos does Etsy allow? Do you know?
1: Um, 10. 10- per, um, 10 per listing and then one video.
0: And one video. So the video doesn't count towards that photo total. Correct. Okay. And, um, I know when you list on Etsy, you need to include weight similar to eBay. So you can't publish a listing until you have that weight solidified in there with what you're going to ship it in. Correct.
1: Yeah. And I would say, so what I do, so currently I have my shop set to, um, free shipping over $35. Um, so, and like most things are $35. So I just kind of try to add that into the price to some extent. Um, because the other thing about Etsy is that, um, when it comes to the shipping options, it doesn't show, as far as I know, it doesn't show options for UPS or FedEx or, you know, some other things that might be more affordable for a bulky, heavy package, like glassware. Um, so I have found it to, and also people just expect free shipping. That's just the world we live in, unfortunately. So, Thanks Um, Amazon. Yeah. So I think, um, I think it is just easier for both me and the buyer to have it set to a higher price, but free shipping. So then I can figure out like, I'll actually just weigh it once I actually package it up. Um, especially like, what if they order two things, you know, like what if they order multiple things that affects like the size of the box that affects all these things. So, um, I would rather just kind of like So I have been bad and just kind of put in a placeholder weight, which is not great if you are, you know, ever going to if you're doing calculated shipping, or maybe you Mm -hmm. want to do international shipping, like that weight and size matters a lot, Mm -hmm. and can, you know, create a very large discrepancy if you don't have that accurate. So I currently don't really sell internationally, just because I don't want to deal with it. But like, I know that is closing myself off from, you know, potential buyers, I just don't have that's just one more headache that I'm not like ready to like yeah. tackle unless someone messages me specifically requesting something. And then I might, then I'll make an exception, but, um, but yeah, so I just have it set to like free shipping, which is for me has been easier. So then I can find what is the most economical shipping option. Um, and I've usually like factored that into my price
0: already. Do you have to ship through Etsy services or can you use a second party, a third party, I should say?
1: You can use, yeah, you can use your own um, shipping option. So, like, I use Pirate Ship for pretty much everything. Um, sometimes, every once in a while, it might be cheaper on Etsy if they have worked out some agreement with, like, maybe USPS that Pirate Ship hasn't, depending on the zone. So, like, sometimes it can make sense to just double check. Um, but for me, I love Pirate Ship so much. Like, their customer service is unparalleled. They truly are, um, they stay on theme and on brand and they are so helpful and pleasant. I literally, I mean, I've I've contacted them, you know, multiple times if there was like a breakage or, um, you know, it needs to file a claim or something got lost, you know, like you have to contact them. And like, I literally asked them, like, are you a bot? Because (laughs) you are so unhumanly pleasant to deal with, like in customer service. I can't believe this is real and they're like no like this is this is us and they yeah they were just they're wonderful so like I haven't had a bad experience yet with pirate ship can't can't say um, enough good things I just wish they had FedEx on there because I think Mm. that that can be really that can be even more affordable for certain things it can be um but yeah so I mostly just use pirate ship just for to I also really like the um the interface that they have so you can easily see like what has arrived, what's in transit, What's has an error, like what's going on with things. Um, but yeah, so I, I mostly do that. I know other people that prefer doing it through Etsy. I think if you do do international shipping, they make it pretty easy to purchase mm-hmm. those international, international labels through Etsy. Um, but yeah, just kind of uh, preference, I think.
0: Um, the other thing that I just noticed is Etsy picks, like you have an Etsy pick. So that means that your item was selected by Etsy style and trends editors. So they kind of do like what the real, reel does. So oh, they pick do yeah. I? your vintage you blend Christmas sweater, soft knit retro holiday sweater, bright, red fit. We can talk about titles, by the way, Ooh. reading all these titles. I want you to explain how do you actually create okay. the listing? Um, yeah. But underneath it, it says Etsy's pick. So and it, when you click on it, it says selected by Etsy style and trend editors. Oh, so they do the no same shit. thing as the real, real, and they have like editors picks. So Etsy clearly does the same thing. So I wonder if there's oh. like an editor's pick section on Etsy.
1: They do constantly do. Um, they. So one great thing about Etsy too, is they do actually put out a lot of content. Um, they have different things that they'll send out through email to like, or like articles that they'll write, um, you know, just to like general buyers of like, these are editor's picks, or they'll do like quarterly or seasonal kind of like, um, you know, trend guides or, um, you know, all sorts of things that I think are really helpful for both maybe the buyer, but especially sellers. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, and then they and some of those things like that are more geared towards like buyers, like their their style picks, like those can make a big difference in an influx of like traffic to your shop. Like I know people that um they've gotten featured by Etsy and like it really did cause like, you know, a really a big uptick in traffic and like purchases and you know things like that. So they and then Etsy also has a for people like, you know, looking for more content when it comes to like getting started with Etsy and learning about the platform and trends and, you know, stuff that works. Like they actually have their own podcast, like the Etsy success podcast. Um, and they don't, they don't post on it super regularly, but it is, there is like a lot there to dive into, um, for more like, you know, stuff if you're interested in learning. All
0: right. Let's talk about the listing itself, because I think it's important to understand what a listing needs to look like on each platform, because it's different, Um, The the functionality of the listing can be different on each platform, but the SEO doesn't necessarily change, right? It's just the way that things are laid out. So let's talk about the title um, because this one item that I'm on, the one that's the the Etsy's pick, you have a variety of phrases for your title. So do you want to explain like, why do you have that instead of just vintage mohair Christmas sweater, you know, right? Keep it basic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So And like, I've definitely heard different things about like best practices for SEO on Etsy, including from Etsy, like specialists or like people employed by Etsy or consultants, whoever they are, like I've, I've heard multiple different things about what is considered like best practice. Um, So take this with a grain of salt, but like essentially like the way any search engine works is it's, you know, scrolling and crawling for keywords. That are matching a query or are Mm -hmm. similar to a query. Like if it thinks that like someone searched something, but maybe your listing will be close enough to what they're looking for, may not an exact match. So, um, so I'm trying to include as many keywords and like kind of descriptions and tags that, um, might match what someone is searching, but without being overwhelming and like gibberish. So like, so I have kind of multiple phrases in my titles because they allow up to a certain number of. Figure of characters. So I'm basically trying to maximize that. I've heard also, though, that like, you know, maybe it's better to include just maybe one general title. I mean, I've had enough success with this method that I don't feel the need to necessarily like minimize it too much or, you know, change all my listings. Um, but yeah, so I'm basically just trying to fit in different keywords that people might be um, searching for. And it's interesting because that's like an older listing too. So I don't even know if that is like, the best one like that's probably it's probably it. <laughs> an
0: embarrassing example if i were oh, to look stop at stop it no it's um, actually i i think it's really nice but <laughs> oh
1: good okay okay because like because yeah like it's it's definitely a good idea to like kind of semi-regularly go in and update keywords and tags
0: and i was just gonna say you need to update this one because christmas is over now
1: right exactly so <laughs> i need to i need to update that for sure this look um, to me
0: this looks like a sweater that someone would wear if they went skiing in the alps
1: yeah. That's or what like, I think even of. like an ugly Chris, like an ugly Christmas sweater party kind of thing. You could yeah. definitely wear that. Um, but it's very, it's fuzzy. It's cozy. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's a lot of ways that you can describe something, right? Like you could just like if someone was searching for an ugly sweater mm-hmm. um, party um, thing, like they might search that not Christmas sweater. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. So like, I like that Etsy has, they have room in the title. They have room in the like actual description they have, you can add up to, uh, I think, maybe 13 tags that are only 20 characters long. So those are, um, so those are shorter. Those are gonna be shorter terms that you could use, but those are still helpful for like, you know, things that people might be searching um, for, you know, to get them to your listing.
0: So there's a section here that's um, called highlights. Is this pulled from all those, um Item specifics that you are filling out when you're creating the listings. So it says like vintage from the 1980s, materials, mohair, and acrylic, and then size large um US letter, L US letter is what it says. So is that yeah. what that's pulling from?
1: So that is gonna be pulling from some like I think what they call attributes. So those are mm-hmm. gonna be things similar to like eBay that you can fill out um that like are like, you know, you don't have a ton of options, like you are kind of picking from drop downs. Gotcha. Um But, and like some of these, like, you don't necessarily have to, like, you wouldn't, you could post this without filling out the size or the material, but like, it's to your benefit to fill those out because Mm -hmm. it gives the buyer more information. Like, is this silk, is this mohair, is this a wool blend, you know, like different things like that are, you know, I think just the more detailed, the better. Um, And then the description is like, you know, you can fill whatever you want. I like to have like a brief kind of description of like what the product is, maybe the brand Um, maybe what it's made of maybe something like, um, you know, if it's clothing, like details of where it was made, um, does it have that, you know, the international ladies garment workers union tag? Um, so, you know, different things that I can find. I like to try to include as much of that as possible measurements as well as like, maybe the tag says this, but it fits like this. Um, and, and then I like to try to add like a list or like a link to my shop Like just the general like homepage of the shop at the bottom in case they want to keep browsing or, you know, whatever.
0: Um, I do feel like when I look at listings on Etsy, I almost get a story when I look at the description where when you're on eBay or Poshmark, for example, it's very much just a list format. It's not so Mm -hmm. much the paragraph form. Do you think it matters on Etsy? Do you think you could copy and paste your description from Poshmark or eBay when you create your Etsy listing, like if you're using Vendu or something?
1: Um, I think if you were an eBay seller, if you're like all the other eBay sellers I see who include almost no information at all or measurements, um, I mean, I've been prevented from buying things all the time on eBay because people yeah. just don't include any information. And I'm just like, yeah. just try, like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so like, I would encourage you to include more information. Cause like, The other thing too, is just like, you're setting yourself up for someone to have an issue. If you don't include that, any disclaimers or measurements, or, you know, your like stuff, like no returns or like whatever. Like if you don't include that in the listing, the buyer is all like, they're just going to have a problem. They're going to have, they're going to find a way to have a problem and then message you and be like, well, it doesn't say like the size or like the size says this, like the tag says this. And it's like, well, my description says it fits like this, you know? So it's, you're just kind of protecting yourself, I think, to have more of those details. Um, which like, I would encourage you, if you could add more of that on eBay and Poshmark to start doing that on all those, even though it is extra work, like I would just encourage everyone to like put that work in because it just makes them,
0: I mean, it just protects you as a seller, I think. Yeah. But would you agree with me that Etsy listings do feel more like a story because I feel like I get a story when I look at an Etsy listing.
1: I mean, they can. I mean, there's some people that really treat it, the description as like, you know, being very flowery, being, Mm -hmm. um, you know, adding a lot more um, detail. I don't think you have to go that like crazy with it. Like, um, you know, ultimately people don't actually read that much when it comes to yeah, I don't. I, I you barely know. read it. <laughs> right. So like so at the same time, like keep in mind, like be realistic about what the buyer is going to read and how they're like really breezing through the page. Like, so I try to keep it relatively brief, um, but just including important information, but breaking it up into like, you know, different lines, it's not all blocked together in one mm. chunky paragraph. Like I have it broken out so that try to make it easier for people to read um, because ultimately people just don't read anything and they're going to miss the details that it's you include. so
0: true. Um, I also like the way they have the shipping and return policies laid out. So when you guys are looking at an Etsy listing, it doesn't matter what it is, the item is in the center of the page. All the images are on the left-hand corner. Underneath the image is all the shop reviews and on the right-hand side, it's like its own little column. You have all these things that we're talking about, the title, add to cart, all that kind of stuff. I like the the way that they show the shipping, like it's actually taking you through the process. And I like that where it says, "Okay, you place your order on the 27th because that's the day that we're recording this and it's going to ship between the 30th and the 40th. So the the third and the fourth, sorry, 30th and fourth can't talk. Um, So, okay, that's where it is. And then it's going to be delivered around this time frame. I like that it does that because it sets the expectation to the buyer of, okay, I know that it's saying that. I don't know, like she she has a three-day processing time, but really this is the time frame that I'm getting from Etsy. I think it just sets a yep. different expectation. I, I really like that.
1: Yeah, and that's, they've definitely played around a bit with, I think, kind of the layout of how they show different information on listings and what they show or what they don't show. Um, for example, like the return, like the shipping and return, like the return policy thing is actually new. Okay. I want to say big, like they recently, made a change where you can kind of customize your return policies for each listing. So like if you wanted to maybe have clothing be returnable, but like, you know, glassware is not returnable, like you could do that. Whereas before, like you, um, I think, had to have a blanket return policy for your whole shop. Um, So they've recently made different changes. I haven't actually like gone in and investigated how certain things look or like how things might be different now. Uh, But I do like that they have like they make it easy to see like, okay, is this free shipping? What is the cost Mm -hmm. to ship? Um, You know, stuff like that can be helpful, too, Um, because like I don't want to be surprised with the shipping cost
0: like at checkout. And I like that they ask you, do you need this sooner? You know, you can upgrade your shipping kind of thing. So I just think they lay it out in a a fashion that like any retail store would lay out their website. So I like that that's the direction they're going in, because I think That's the way it should be, because just because it's secondhand or just because it's vintage, just because it's handmade doesn't mean that it can't have that same retailer feel to it. And I also like that they accept Klarna on basically everything. Um, Mm -hmm. where on Poshmark, you can only accept, they only accept Affirm if it gets to a certain price point. I don't know if that's changed or not, but like so many websites use Afterpay, use Affirm, use Klarna, like why not have that option for everything, um, on people's pages. Anyway, that's a breakdown of Etsy's listing page. I think it's great. I like the way it's laid out. I like the font that they use. I'm very much into all that kind of stuff. Fonts make me happy. If they like a nice open font like that, it's very clean. I like it. There's a lot of things about Etsy that I really, really enjoy. It's for me, it's a matter of like just diving into it and just doing it and like getting comfortable with that uncomfortable feeling, stepping outside that comfort zone, which all of us at some point want to do or need to do um, and just being more informed on it. I think that's really what comes down to it because the more information I have, the more time I spend finding that information, the more comfortable I'm going to feel to take that next step and do whatever it is I need to do. I feel like we could talk about Etsy forever, (laughs) but let's, let's dive a little bit into, um, home goods. And there are so many aspects of home goods. It's you can't We couldn't possibly have this short (laughs) segment here on home goods. It would never happen. Like this is like a multi-part thing. We're going to find experts in all these different fields of home goods. Just as kind of like our introduction to this this year, um, because we heard you guys and a lot of you want more in home goods. So we will definitely bring that to you. Um, But let's talk about the type of home goods that you love to pick up. What century do you like picking up? What are the things that you look for? Let's just dive into that little area.
1: Yeah, so... Oh yeah, where to even start? Like I feel like um well there's things that I pick up for my shop, there's things that I pick up for myself. And there's a little bit of both, because I mean, I don't know, they say like pick up things that you wouldn't mind keeping mm-hmm. for yourself if they don't sell, but at the same time, then you want to keep everything. Yes. So it really is such a balance of um of that. But ultimately, I um I think my style blends a bit into um, the shop, but I also just keep a lot for myself, but um very into, um I guess like when it comes to like categories or like labels for things, like into mid-century, but like that's such a broad term. And I was going to say, what does mid-century it, even mean now? Use, people use it incorrectly as well, like people use mid-century when they're referring to like the 70s, and that's not technically mid-century, Um, but I love the 70s too, and I love certain things from the 80s. I mean, especially depending if you think about it, like stuff from the early eighties still kind of seventies, you know? So mm-hmm. like, I don't know, a lot of things can really blend together. Um, I just really like things that are like colorful. I like when it comes to art, I like um, like abstract art or kind of like folk art or um, like kind of like textile art. So like weavings and, and certain tapestries and um, things like that. Um. But yeah, and then when it comes to glassware, I'm into um, a lot of, well, I don't know, like so there's glassware and there's like art glass and like other just like kind of like like glass that is like maybe like vases or, you know, other things, but maybe not necessarily like glassware and barware that you drink out of. Um, so there's, you know, American makers that I love, like Blanco. Um, there's, you know, more kind of like Scandinavian makers that I love. I'm not. I'm personally not. I feel like it's almost easier to say what I'm like not that into. Like I'm not that into like Pyrex. I think I mean it's beautiful, but I'm not about to get into that game. It's <laughs> it's crowded enough, and Pyrex is so is bulky to store and it's bulky to display and it's it's hard to ship. So like I personally am not about to get into the Pyrex game. Um, I'm not that into like Depression glass um or like some of or like fairy lights like I'm not that into certain stuff that I feel like has been or swung vases like all that is like very popular on Instagram um you're gonna see a lot of people that collect swung vases in every color and that is great for them but I'm not that's not my style um I would say my style is a bit more maybe like eclectic um and I just really am attracted to like color and texture um and you know maybe certain like makers like once i get into them like i'll like then become kind of obsessed with finding like more from that maker Mm -hmm. or something um so yeah so and i'm just when it comes to glassware looking for like certain colors certain shapes um maybe certain textures um but yeah and then just kind of always looking for like glassware that is like um you can tell it's more handmade when it's um has like a rough like if it's like maybe um Like, not necessarily, like, well, I don't know, I guess this does count for glassware too, but, um, also for vases or something, like, if it has, like, a rough ponteal on the bottom, that's, Mm -hmm. like, where the, the blowy thing, like, broke off Mm -hmm. from the thing. Um, and I really, only know that because there was briefly, well, I don't know, I guess it's still on Netflix, but there was, like, a reality show. It is on Netflix, and it's one of my favorite
0: shows. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes, so that actually, like, taught me about, like, what goes into, like, glassmaking as well, um, but yeah, so that's the reason I know the term Panteel.
0: But, um, <laughs> but oh yeah, so just like when like it comes to glassware, things. you can tell um, if something was handmade because not every piece is exactly the same. And yeah. it, the structure of it is a little wonky compared to like something you would buy at Marshalls or DJ Maxx, you know, like it's just right. got a different look to it and it makes it more unique. Um I know that a lot of things you pick up are either pottery-based or mid-century modern. So People might hear mid mid-century modern and think, "What the hell does that even mean?" Because it is a very mm-hmm. con- um, confusing term. So let's say I'm I want to go out and and uh, I think I know what mid-century modern is, and I know that's what people are looking for. So what are what are like two or three indicators that would tell you like, okay, this is mid-century modern, and this is something you should pick up.
1: Yeah. So, so modern refers to like a specific, like kind of like period of like, it's, it's a, kind of like a specific like school of like design. Um, it's like different than what we might call something modern as in like contemporary, you know? Mm. So like mid-century would be, I would kind of consider maybe like the period of like forties, fifties up until like early sixties, maybe. But like, um, so you would probably, when it comes to, for example, furniture, you would look for like clean lines, um, you know, nice wood and like, you know, it's not fake wood and, um, you know, nice like joints, like where the, you know, maybe different, like, so the craftsmanship kind of of the construction yeah. of the furniture, um, you can maybe tell a bit from like, even the like handles or like kind of hardware on different pieces of furniture. Um, you know, they might be stamped with like the maker of of that. So there's like, you know, maybe certain like, um, companies that are like known for being desirable of, or like, you know, design designing a lot, or like, you know, if want to get really into it. You could, there are people that can identify like, Oh yeah, this piece is like designed by this person for this person, mm. for this company, you know? So like, it starts to be like that with furniture, or it starts to be like that with like glassware. Um, you know, there's like certain kind of like star designers that might be designed for, a certain company during this period of time um so yeah so i guess it kind of depends on like the category that you're that you're interested in um let's say yeah. i'm looking
0: at bowls there's a lot of bowls in every thrift store there's bowls everywhere how would i yeah. know that something is considered mid-century is it like a pattern because like pyrex fine like we all know what pyrex looks like and it's got a certain pattern to it but like is there something about bowls or vases from that time period that would kind of be an indicator for me
1: yeah, like, I guess like, well, I guess when it comes to vases, like, almost like, I think of it sometimes as almost like geometric. So again, like mm. going back to lines, um, like, you know, also a lot of like, um, mid-century modern was like, I mean, that time period was like, fascinated with like, you know, space age. So like, think about the things that were kind of like going on in that time, like new emergences in technology when it comes to um, the fabrics that they could use, yeah. or um, flooring, or things that they could make stuff out of. So, like it was, you know, I don't know. So, stuff might have like an atomic design, and that's technically mid-century, but may or may not be mid-century modern. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I would, I don't know, I wouldn't. Inc- so, a lot of design could be influenced by some of these other kind of things that were going on, or even like the color schemes could be, um, you know, aligned with like mid-century or mid-century modern or kind of more atomic or space-age design, like there's so many kind of like subcategories. Like, I mean, even if you think of right now, like there's so many different like categories of design like in our current time too. So mm-hmm. so it's hard to really like ha- have like a blanket, like what to look out for kind of thing yeah. when you say mid-century, but when you start to kind of like get more specific with like mm-hmm. maybe mid-century modern furniture, mid-century um, you know atomic like kitchen where you know like you can start to like I think um have a little bit more like an easier time identifying things when you yeah. get into like specific categories because it's so vast you know there's it so is. much going on it yeah. really
0: is and I guess when you think of time periods too and I think of like that 40s 50s 60s you know, a little bit of the 70s I think of like pastel colors. I think of that green that yellow like we all know what that green and yellow look like like that's what I, th- I think of the light pink that was really big in like that 50s 60s era there's like that certain kind of pink that things existed mm-hmm. in where there was bulls or whatever it was um a lot I, I, that's that's what I think of then when I think of modern day, I'm thinking of like pottery. I'm thinking clean. I'm thinking neutral. I'm and t- like that's the stuff that I think but maybe this is what I'm drawn to when I think of modern things which at the same time aren't really modern. They're really, you know, inspired from things that existed before. Mm -hmm. But like a lot of things that you see in um, various kitchen stores or it's it's either like stainless copper is making a huge comeback right now. Like everything copper is making a huge comeback in these kitchen stores and everything else just really got that clean look to it. You'll see, I mean, color definitely comes into play, but I feel like when I go into like a women's Sonoma or anything like that, it's like stainless copper and just clean edges and clean everything.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Cause like, I mean, mid-century modern was also clean. Like mm-hmm. it was a very clean design. Um, A lot of wood and like, nat, like maybe terracotta tiles, like natural kind of more natural, like materials you could say. Um, uh, But like, or like, you know, maybe geometric fireplace, like brick yep. fireplaces and stuff. So, I don't, you know, I don't know. I guess it's hard to say. And I mean, even the copper resurgence, like that's still derivative of like primitive and Absolutely. like farmhouse kind of stuff. So it all comes from somewhere. It all mm. is like a blend. And, and you can definitely find people nowadays that are very much maximalists and their their home is full of color and, um, you know, thrifted from everywhere. So like, yeah. um, it, it's just kind of like, where, have you, where are you choosing? Like when it comes to your attention span of like what you're seeing, like, you know, the brain can only pick up on so much at a time. Mm -hmm. So like you're seeing, you're probably seeing certain trends, you're seeing, you think of certain things when you think of, you know, whatever it is, but like, there's really so much going on around us. Like there's other fields of design that are popular right now, but like, you know, I'm not into farmhouse, but some people are. Oh, I love farmhouse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so but that, like- but That's why we differ, right? Like, I yeah. love the farmhouse feel, but I also love an industrial feel. I like to blend yeah. industrial and farm together. And, like, I'm very inspired by European... Um, culture so whether that's french countryside or italian countryside they're kind Mm -hmm. of the same and i merge that with my farmhouse my american version of farmhouse and industrial together and it works but like that's my vibe and that's what i like um now if you were to like go back when i first got married i was all into like dark everything like the dark cherry and like that's Mm -hmm. what i loved i don't love that anymore i'm like past that i've evolved (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean, this conversation could go on and on. And uh, what Jess and myself and Jen are going to do this month is we are, if you're a Patreon member, we're going to be coming up with a monthly download. We're going to break down the how-tos of Etsy. We are going to dive a little bit into um, home goods categories, that kind of thing. We're going to have it all kind of streamlined for you. So if you're a Patreon member, you're going to be getting that this month. Um, Thank you, Jess, for coming on. Uh, All of Jess's information will be in the show notes uh you, you make sure you go check her out follow her instagram all that fun stuff uh you can reach out to jess whenever too and she'll tell you this she is very open to talking about all the things home goods and etsy related yeah. um yeah and i think that's says anything else you want to say before we close it out um just thanks for having me this was so fun
1: um love all this. <laughs> i know it was yeah it was one of my um so we're recording this like very end of december yeah. And so like it was one of my new year's resolutions to be on a podcast this year. And, I just, and we, I just squeaked in at the last minute. <laughs> so really I'm thrilled. This is awesome.
0: I told you, you could come on whenever you want. we can do a part two of this If you guys really love this. I'm sure Jess would love to come on with a part two. So if there's anything that you really want to learn about. If there are things you wish we dived a little bit deeper in, Let us know. Send me a DM, uh, send one to the the Thrifters Villa Instagram page or my personal one, and um, we will come up with a list of things and come back and talk about it some more. But until next time, friends, bye.